Blog Talk Radio. And 
and in some ways people are on vacation and getting ready to go back to school and going back to work in their regular lives. I mean, for example, like Apple always tends to release their, their newer updated iPods and anything involving iTunes and music in September. And like the MTV Video Music Awards tends to be in early September. So like in some ways it's more about this is just this little calm, quiet waiting period. Right. And that's uh that's that's what it is. Everybody's um waiting for uh the school to start and also for a lot of the new releases that uh the kids can take to school and share amongst their socials, you know. Alive, and that's uh, that. This always that's fun to watch. You know, you can see who's going. And that and that existed long before there even was the internet. Like as you talk about social networking, cause a lot of people don't realize social networking existed a lot longer, like long before the computers. Like for example, like the movie The Social Network, like doesn't necessarily talk about just Facebook being the social network. I mean, the movie starts out with the fictionalized version of Mark Zuckerberg trying to get into finals clubs or these, like, exclusive clubs at Harvard. Those are social networks. No websites needed, but they are indeed social networks. Right, right. They they, they were already there in place. The, The Internet made them virtual. So that's what happened. Uh, more people can participate. And it's like, well, so what? So what is it? It's like we've got the near future. We've got all these cool things that have been rumored about, things that have been in beta testing, like Spotify, which is something which I love to the point where I'd like to make this announcement on the show because this is something that's big. I had previously said that I am 100%, I mean, this has been for over a year, 100% sure that the next phone that I will buy is an iPhone. I don't know if that's the case anymore because Spotify really is the game changer because what it did was it removed my, my dependence on iTunes in order to be able to get the music that I want. And nothing has led to that for me in the past before. Chances are I'm still going to get an iPhone, but the idea of having unlimited music online and offline on your phone and on your computer for $10 a month, that's actually a pretty good deal, like if you just add it into all the costs for a cell phone. Yeah, that's uh, And you don't have to do, And what's good about that, you don't have to take time to go out to the store, the stuff is just right there in front of you. So, yeah, I mean, it's something that's, we've talked about in the past. How, in some ways, we miss record stores, but also the fact is, like, there have been times in the past where I remember I was on, like, back in June, I went to Philadelphia for the day. I took a bus home the next morning to go back to New York, and I really wanted to hear this song called "New York, New York" by Ryan Adams, which came out in 2001. The video was actually shot days before 9-11 with the Twin Towers in the background. And it's like, I'm someone being a New Yorker. Like, this is one of my my dorky musical preferences. I like listening to songs about New York, especially, like, when I'm not in New York. 
So I was on the spot, and I put down my iPhone. I went to iTunes. I bought the song for a dollar. And it was really cool. And then a few minutes later, while I was on this moving bus from Philadelphia to New York City, I had the song. And I was excited, like, yes, I'm on the way to New York. But just imagine what that would be like if you if you had access that kind of access, but you're not paying a dollar every time that happens. That is that that's a cool thing to have. Right. Right. Heading towards New York and heading towards just all this music. Like I can like there's been a lot of things which I've always like there have been past models. There were stores like the Virgin Megastore. Like Jay, do you remember the Virgin Megastore? I loved that place, yeah, I remember that. I loved that yeah. place. I mean the entire chain closed and it was a sad thing, but they had all these C D listening booths. With like all these new albums, all these obscure albums, where they had it, where you put the headphones on, you press the button, and you have the song. It's like you don't need that. You don't need that anymore to, like, because there's certainly the social aspect of it about talking about music with your friends, but there's also a personal relationship between you and the music as well. And what the what this technology has done. And finally, with the blessing of the record companies, is it has allowed everything to come on. And it, it's really an amazing thing, Jay. Yeah, you, it's so great that you don't have to, they don't have to manufacture uh, any type of covers or artwork, or you just download the stuff right to your phone. And that, 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 or you that could, or they still design it. They still design the artwork. You could just download it and save trees. Right. I mean, I mean, there, I mean, there's certainly something definitely missing as we went from analog to digital. Like the idea of having that CD and struggling to open up the shrink wrap plastic before breaking the cover. Sometimes it might actually break that plastic jewel case seeing the artwork, seeing the linear notes, and just even the design of, like, what it looks like on the disc. Sometimes you'll have plain, boring text with the artist and the title on the song title. Sometimes you'll just have, like, a really cool-looking picture where it's one of those things where it's like you, it's like if you don't know what that album is, you don't know what it is, but you see it and you're like, oh, it's this album. And, Jay, I've got some big news for you. You want to hear the big news? I sure do. What is it? We have we have our guest here who is on the line. Are you ready to bring him on? I am excited about it. Let's bring him in. Let's go on. All right, Jason, are you there? I sure am. What's going on? Excellent. Hey, Jason, this is Ian here in New York, and we've got Jay who is currently in Utah. Jay, meet Jason. Jason, meet Jay. What's happening? Hi, everything is very nice out here. Um, it's great in Utah. In, uh, very nice out in Utah. You're enjoying yeah. your 4% uh, by volume alcohol beer? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, yeah, that's, exactly. Um, that's what they have out here, too, by the way. <laughs> What's that? I said that's pretty much all they have out here to enjoy. Yeah, I know. Well, uh, eat, eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow you could be in Utah. That's what the shop classes say. 
But but when the NBA lockout ends, I mean the Miami Heat do go there one game a season, so that may make some people happy. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. I'm sure they I'm sure they bring their own uh, their own swill, so it's just fine. Good good stuff. So 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 Jason, um, I know we don't have much time with you. Love to hear about really just your just musical experiences as a child and as an adult and your appreciation of music and the influence you've had from your parents or not. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, I I don't I was thinking about this before I I called in preparing as I as I would. Uh and I don't think that my parents influenced me all that much in my in my music, but I could be totally wrong about that because it's so hard to chart where your musical influences come from. I, I mean, I do know, of course, that the first music that I really got into, I got into because of my parents. The first album that I can I, I can recall considering an album that I owned, you know, something that was actually in my possession, though, of course, I think it was too young to to have actually purchased it myself, was it was a Beach Boys album. And I listened to, I listened to that thing, you know, until uh, until the tape broke on it, probably, and then I got into radio stuff. Um, for a long time, I, the, the first genre I was into was oldies. And I, I'm sure that was because that was just stuff my parents were playing in the car. Though, though now that I think back on it, I, I'm surprised that that was the stuff that I picked up from them because that's not something that they're really into. They're they're more like my dad's a Steely Dan kind of guy. And um, my mom... Uh, I don't even know what she listens to. A lot of, like, a lot of things were, like, you know, I, when I was a teenager, I'd get in the car and her, like, one CD of hers would start, and I, I would, I, I would, you know, immediately, you know, to, to the detriment of the safety of everybody in the car, like, just, like, lurch towards the stereo to turn it off. So I, I don't know that, um, I don't know why it was oldies that I, um, that I really seized upon, but the, the credit that I can, uh, and then, you know, and then from there, like, there I just, like, went wildly back and forth. I, I was into, like, a, like the sort of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, 90s, uh, clean hip-hop stuff for a while, and then I went over to, um, I had a Metallica album, and then I went over to Ska, and then I went to Indie Rock, which is kind of where I am now. But uh, but the, the I think the, the great credit to my parents is that they were really encouraging of whatever music it was that I wanted to listen to. You know, like they weren't afraid of music, that concept um, that I'm really only familiar with from, like, movies where the where the kid wants to listen to rock or something and the parents are freaked out by it. it, it it's not a concept that I, I really uh, am familiar with. Like, I can remember playing my parents' uh, the, the Offspring and them clearly not being impressed by it but not – discouraging me from listening to it in any way. You know, why would they? The offspring isn't, isn't threatening. But, you know, my parents drove me to Green Day concerts, and they drove me to Bush, and they drove me basically wherever it was that I wanted to go, and um, and always took a took an interest in, in whatever I was listening to, uh, but, of course, would, would kind of only listen to it themselves if it was a little more in their wheelhouse. So, you know, my dad, I remember, picked up uh, my, or copied my, uh, my Dave Matthews band tape, and um, I think he really got into the Counting Crows, you know. And it's like it was like those, those, that was almost a signal to me that, that maybe maybe it's time to move on from this band because <laughs> it's something that my 
my dad now wants to listen to. But um, yeah, I mean that, that's my that's my evolution. Um, although is that is, is that markedly different from uh, from other people's evolutions and 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 how they uh, got to know music with their parents? You know, Jason, it's like we've been doing this show for about a year now, and we've had those people where their parents embrace it. We've had musicians where the parents will sit in. We and we've had also that complete opposite where. You've had people who just had nothing to do, like, who, like, the music tastes were just 100% completely different. I think that, yeah. I, I think that I'm probably more closer to you in terms of that than some other people in terms of, like, my father's not, it wasn't so much about don't listen to the music, but at the same time, it was not, it was like, it's just not them. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, but it's I mean, definitely, yeah. I was, I was wondering, yeah. Jason, uh, you kind of missed Barney and all the little kids' music. You just went directly to the Beach Boys. Huh? You just missed all the little Disneyland. Um, you know, this, you didn't get to experience, you know, romp around or you know, you know, those little kid programs. The music, you know, play the tambourine, march around the school. Did you do any of that in? Um, <laughs> did you do any of that when you were coming up as a two-year-old or a three-year-old, or you went directly to the Beach Boys? Huh. Uh, boy, I, I wish that as a as a two year old I was going directly to the Beach Boys. I wish that as a two year old I had the I would have had the capacity to you know put a tape into a tape deck and hit play. Um, uh, that would be that would be amazing. Uh, yeah, I mean, I you know, like I'm sure that I did. But I have really no, I have no lingering fondness for that stuff. You know, like I, I don't hear those old songs. And I'm like, oh, I remember listening to that when I was. Worming on the floor or something, you know, like that, that's not that's not um, part of my part of my background. Um, but that, but I, but my parents, I'm sure, played me that stuff, and um, uh, you know, and 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 exposed me to to whatever it was that, like, the earlier that I dig back in my mind, um, I, the things that I the things that I I recall are really more um, popular. Music, I can I can remember a, a, a home video of me uh, dancing with my sister to Michael Jackson. You know, I mean, with my parents kind of like laughing in the background. I mean, at that I was probably seven. I don't, um, I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm thirty, just so you know. Uh, okay. What, what, so no, no Sesame Street or Nickel. So no Sesame Street or yeah, Nickelodeon. Yeah, yeah, no, no, plenty of that. Although, oh, that's interesting. Though, that's funny because when I sure I watched Sesame Street and I watched Nickelodeon, but I, um, uh, oh, I, I'm sorry. Yes, yeah. oh, I interrupted here. What's that? Yeah, absolutely. No, yeah, I okay. was wondering. Give me, give me. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah, Ian, I was wondering yeah, about. Sorry about the, that. That's a, yeah. The Nickelodeon effect, the music that you know, kids, the Sesame Street stuff, you know, because they all bring that music into your life when you're young. I was just mm-hmm. wondering if that had an effect on uh, effect on you, you know, like you know, Animal on, uh, on you know, playing the drums, you know, just <laughs> just things like that. Some of the uh, Nickelodeon musical uh, shows that they have, like uh, where they had those four guys. What do they call the four guys? That, uh, <laughs> they were like the Beatles. I forgot what they were called. They weren't like they the weren't monkeys. The Monkeys. No, they, no, these, these, no these, they were like the, they were like these four guys, and they weren't even close. They were like the monkeys, but they were I think okay. they were worse than the monkeys. Uh, 
But it was four of them. Uh, it was just these four guys, and they would teach you how to sing at the same time. Uh, they, they, they had their little group. So I can't, I can't think of the group right now, but it was four of them, and they were on Nickelodeon channels, uh, the Scribbles, the Scurbs, or something. But I'll, the Wiggles, oh. I will find The Wiggles, that's them. Did you get to see those guys? Oh, the Wiggles. Oh, yeah, that, that's, uh, they're an, that was an Australian group, right? Yes. Yeah. As far as I know, they're fairly new, so I don't think that yeah. like, they were definitely not around in our respective childhoods. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, way, I way predate the Wiggles. Um, yeah, I, but I don't, I mean, I, I don't predate Sesame Street or, um, uh, or, or Nickelodeon, of course. So when I, when I, when I think back on those, on those programs, I, um, uh, when I think back on those programs, I, I don't think of the music. Was there, I, I'm sure there was. I, was there music in Sesame Street? I can't even think of yeah, it. I like, can think of it. They had, they had music there, like, um, you know, the guy with the cakes one, he walks, yeah, they had, they had music. The band played, you know, Animal in Them on Sesame Street. Right. They had the, the Muppet Well, you had, like, the Muppet Show, and then you got Sesame Street. But, I mean, there were just so many different songs, like, within the actual street scenes and, like, all the short right. films. But it's just funny that, as an adult, I don't remember those songs. Maybe if I had – maybe if one day, when I'm lucky enough to have kids and I'm watching Sesame Street with them, maybe there'll be a song that – they put they had when I was a child, and oh, now I remember it. Yeah, 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 right. That's that's true. I mean, I I wonder if that's because the music of those shows are really more informational than they are uh, just kind of straight fun. You know, like there's a. It's almost as if when you're a little kid, the the first music you get introduced to is is really utilitarian music. You know, it's like it's it's music that is instructing you, or it's music that you're supposed to memorize the content of the music, but not the actual music. You know, like I, I was when I was in, in elementary school, I was yeah. I was taught to, I was I was taught to memorize the um, the names of the fifty states in alphabetical order because there was a song associated with it. Now I remember the song still. I mean, it's not much a song; it's just a little kind of tune. But I was not taught that so that I could rec- I could remember a song. I was taught that so that I could recognize recognize it. Or I'm sorry to to remember the content of the song, and and I wonder if there's a similar thing happening with the Sesame Street tunes, where the, yeah maybe everything was musical because it was it was an easier way for kids to process things, but but then you just straight up forget the actual music. It's kind of like the ABC song. That's what you said. A B C D. You don't yeah, think right. about the melody. You, 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 know, you learn the ABCs, but the tune sounds yeah. good, but you know that's not the focal point, right? So right. you know, well you know you know the other thing that you know they had is Mr. Rogers and he would sing all the time and I don't remember any of Mr. Rogers songs. Uh, I don't remember I don't so much know. music from Mr. Rogers. I, it's like studies have shown that actually the very first TV show that children outgrow was Mr. Rogers, even before Sesame Street. Mm. Right. Well, that makes sense. certainly a lot of. But there's certainly a lot of music and a lot of things, and and I can say one thing which I've been hyping up all year because I'm excited about it is the new Muppet movie coming out this November, and yeah, it's just like the, just a nostalgia thing, and I know that there's new songs in it and old songs in it, and there's really that weird convergence between like between the childhood entertainment and the and just the standard and rock. Like I know, for example, like. 
Stand By Morning Jacket, like on their new album. They actually recorded a few, they actually wrote a few songs for the Muppet movie, the new Muppet movie that were not chosen. So they changed the words, oh, they really? changed the lyrics, and made them about drugs and stuff. But they were originally sure. written for the Muppets. Huh. <clears throat> So I was going to ask you, Jason, and then you, as you grew up, didn't you mentioned that you, you, you started watching Will Smith, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, and then you went from there to Metallica. How did that, you know, you went from rap to kind of like hard rock. And I'm just wondering what happened to, was, it, was that like the rebel in you that said, oh, I'm going to change over from uh, the Fresh Prince stuff on TV or Will Smith or Metallica? Yeah, I think that was, I mean, I think that was kind of, I mean, the the Fresh Prince stuff was so. The Fresh Prince stuff was was like was like the Seventeen magazine of music. You know, it was it was presenting itself as as really mature, the kind of things that like an older you know you, you as a younger kid would think that older kids like. Actually, probably older kids did like it, but it but it was you know it was designed to be really safe, and um, and so it was it was a kind of thing where you could you could listen to it and. Feel older and more mature, but that it was it was really geared toward uh, you know a, a, a lower maturity level. Um, and and then when I when I you know when I actually sort of got to the age that I guess I assumed the kids and the, the kids were listening to the Fresh Prince stuff, uh, you know, I, then I was then I was your, your typical angsty teenager and uh, had a lot of. Uh, Broad gripes with the world that the Fresh Prince was just simply not going to be able to uh, express. You know, like parents just don't understand. Don't doesn't really capture what's going on when you're like a 16 year old. So, uh, um, so that's why uh, I, I think that's why I, I you know, I, I tried some of the harder stuff. I got one Metallica album. I don't think that I would have actually spent real money on it, um, but I was enrolled in that Columbia program that, um, you know, I assume no longer exists. And, um, and so, uh, you know, I was just getting free albums all the time. So I, was, I got, I got Metallica, I got whatever that Nine Inch Nails, uh, the, you know, the big breakout Nine Inch Nails album was. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the things that I ended up really responding to were, were things that were a little less aggressive, but, but still kind of angsty, angsty in a little bit more of a snot-nosed kind of way, uh, um, Green Day, and then I started digging into um, the uh, like kind of origins of Green Day and finding all these other bands on Lookout Records, which was, which was their um, small label before Reprise picked them up, and, um, and, and just, just, kind of, just kind of feeling very well represented by, by punk. Um, and... Uh, Nirvana and you know the kind of grunge stuff and, and it wasn't it wasn't actually and I stuck with that stuff for years and, and felt that it was it was just you know it was, it was really cathartic um, as a teenager to have have somebody uh, with some thrashing guitars kind of expressing what you're what you're feeling and then um, and then that 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 time ended for me when I was in I was in I, I did a summer program in Israel towards the end of my high school days and uh, somebody broke into my hostel and, and stole all my CDs so then I was uh, I was relieved of my um, you know Green Day and Nirvana albums um, and when I got home I I started trying to buy them back buy used copies um, but uh, 
I, I didn't have the same passion for it anymore. Uh, you know, like a, a lot of that stuff um, just wasn't it, like I guess I had been listening to it because I was always listening to it. But I, I it gave me an opportunity to to start fresh and. Um, and uh, I had been in Israel, uh, become friends with a guy who listened to ska, and that was a very different kind of feel. You know, that was a lot more. Um, I mean, you know, ska offers kind of two things. It was, it was, it was happy and upbeat, mm-hmm. and presented a, a really different kind of life view. Um, and then, of course, it, and then it was something that I, I was not at all, which was, uh, which was that it was, it was like you know, a lot about drinking and smoking pot, which was not. Something that I was doing when I was 17, but um, uh, so but I, but I really connected with the kind of more upbeat nature of it, and and especially as I learned more about that music, the subculture of it, you know, it kind of offered in the way that Green Day and Nirvana was offering a catharsis when I was uh, angsty. The ska was offering a community with a visual identity, um, the way that these guys, you know, kids looked and, and all the, the, the scene and the, and the shows that they went to and, um, and getting into, getting into that was, was really exciting for me. It gave me, it gave me a bit of a orientation that I was missing when I was, um, you know, in some of my earlier days in high school. So, uh, and, you know, and again, my parents were totally, uh, happy to just see me pursue whatever it was, you know, I mean, they drove me to the Scott shows and so I guess I, I was able to drive myself. Um, and then um, I want to get into that more. That drive when you because you had mentioned that you drove you to the Green Day shows and drove drove to the Spark. Were you excited? What was that like? Like my dad or my parents are taking me, and hopefully they don't come into the concert with me. Just drop me off at the front. I don't want nobody to see you. I mean, how did you explain that to our audience? Like, how did that feel? You know, like I'm I'm, I'm a teenager now, and now my dad is dropping me off. Um, I would like to, <laughs> I just like to go into that. What type of feeling was that? And what were, what were your parents saying when uh, you asked them to drop them off? Uh, well, that's funny. I mean, I think, that, I think that you, I think that you ascribe a little more emotion to it than perhaps I ever did. I, I um, I think that it was to me, uh, like they were just the people that drove me places. You know what I mean? Not, not that I don't mean that in a demeaning <laughs> way, but I mean like if I had to get somewhere, it was my parents who were going to drive me. So you know, like. I don't know. I, I guess I didn't really think about it any more than like if I wanted to go to the mall, it was my parents who were going to drive me to the mall. If I wanted to go to the show, it was my parents who were going to drive me to the show. And, and not necessarily that, um, uh, not necessarily that um, it you know gave me a sort of sense of uh, uh, of freedom or anything. And, you know, and also I was going, I was going with friends, so we were always you know we were always meeting up. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. Well, it's, it's funny. I mean. I, I guess I I guess I I just sort of considered them facilitators more than uh, uh, anything else. Okay. Well, I was just thinking, I was thinking that you know parents be concerned about dropping their kids off at concerts, and these days it's very dangerous to just leave your kids. You know, it's a lot of stuff going on. But I just was just interested, you know, Nevada, you know, Nirvana, you know, dropping you off at that concert there, and just saying, okay, hopefully I'll see you later at six o'clock, or you know, let me know when you get home. But you know, moving right along here. Um, I just yeah. Well, actually, ask you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was just say hit, hit me with one. Hit me with one final one. I, I love this conversation, but I I, uh, uh, I gotta. I, I've already had my boss pop into this office once. So I, I gotta get okay. back to work. Okay. Well, give us your thoughts of uh, what, what the future and where do you think things are going, and we can wrap it up and let us know where you're at now 
And what do you think the future holds for you and your music with, with your parents? And uh, if you have any kids, I don't know. Uh, I don't have, I don't have any kids uh, yet. Um, I mean, what does the future hold for, for me? My parents uh, with with music. I, I mean, that's a good question. I don't. Um, I don't quite know. I, that, that's uh, you know we. Um, I, you know, my parents and I talk about a lot of things, but music actually is typically not one of them. Um, you know, I feel like there's a there's a there's a. I think a lot of people just sort of hit a. Um, hit a hit a, a a place where um they found the music that they like and they kind of stick with it and you know and don't um and 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 don't have a, a an especially strong curiosity for new music and um you know my parents aren't quite fully in that category but but they very much you know are like i i don't like you know I'm not hearing that my parents are listening to tons of new bands they're not asking me for New bands. Although my parents did tell me recently that they, that they thought Lady, Lady Gaga was good, which was which was sort of surprising to me. Um, uh, but um, uh, you know, I but I don't uh, quite know. I, I think with my own kids, I will. Um, I think I, you know. I, I mean, it's, it's it's hard to hard to come up with a plan better than the only one that you know. Um, and the only one that I know is is to. You know, introduce them to some good stuff, um, but then uh, you know, not be uh, offended when they inevitably go and and find some other stuff that that you probably think is totally terrible. And um, and, and that's I think that's you know that's exactly what I what I'll do. Uh, you know, I also think that pushing stuff on your kids will probably just make your kids hate the stuff. Um, so um, uh, you know, I, I don't know I don't know quite what our or my generation's version of the Beatles is going to be like what that what that one band is that you know when my kids are old enough so when I have kids and then they're old enough to to be really thinking about music um, what uh, thing from my generation I'll, I'll like really really want them to hear uh, I'm not sure what that'll be you know like all the all the really big bands from from my time the Green Days and the Nirvanas or whatever I'm not sure that's gonna that's just sort of gonna hold hold well in time, and, uh, you know, I hear new bands all the time that I get really excited about, but, like, am I going to be telling my kids about Foster the People? I don't know. Probably not. So, um, uh, I, you know, I, I think that I'll, uh, there'll probably be something that that I'll, I'll, I'll have loved and I'll, I'll want my kids to hear, and they'll probably hear it and think it's the only music in the world uh, for a little bit of time, and then they'll discover something um, totally different, and then I will uh, struggle to, uh, to keep up with it, and... Um, uh, and and so the cycle will continue. Well, we we really appreciate you being on our show, and uh, I had some more questions for you, but maybe the next time you come on, we can talk about you know instruments and your kids that you might have playing instruments, and do you play instruments? But we'll save that for the next time we we'll, we'll talk to you. <laughs> you got it, Jason. Jason, thank you for joining us. I know you're busy today, so you know it, it's been fun. Yeah, hey, it was. Uh, thanks a lot, guys. I really appreciate it. All right, you have a good one. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Jason Pfeiffer. How was that, Jay? Yeah, that was wonderful. He's very informative, and um, I like, you know, how he grew up. And it was interesting to see he was different than our other guests that we used to have because he kind of, um, he's kind of like he jumped into music, more mature music at an early age, it seemed like. Like, he kind of bypassed uh, some things and went right for the juggler thing. So I thought that was great that his parents, you know, kind of that Beach Boy thing, 
he went right, right. there, and uh, I thought that was great. You know, I don't know how old he was. Right, and, and, and you know what? That uh, that absolutely has inspired me. Um, I would I would absolutely love to get in touch with someone who works in kids' music, and like I'd love to like perhaps like you would be great to have like a producer on Sesame Street that that handles a lot of the music and just really like the psychology of it and just like teachers who just bring like there's a level of education that goes there and there's the edu- like the that balance between education and, and entertainment. That's something I would definitely love to explore in the future of in the future here in as we hit our one year anniversary, Jay. How exciting is that? That is very exciting, and and moving and, and adding to that that uh, topic, it'd be great to get like some of the producers of Multiplication Rock, the music producers that produced that series and the music. Full House for, uh, Yeah, yeah, I would love, I would love. It was to like on ABC, like on the seventies and the eighties. Like, I was actually talking to someone who is like in his like, felt like like kids who are like in college and like. We have a generation that's now grown up without Saturday morning cartoons, or at least not on the network. Right. What happened? What happened <laughs> was, what happened was that it start, all started out when NBC decided to get rid of Saturday morning cartoons and instead expanded the Today Show to an extra day, and then they had live action stuff like Saved by the Bell, and that's where it right. all began. And, 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 you know, it's just evolution. It's not so much about, it's like what's old is old, what's new is new. We don't buy records anymore. We don't even necessarily buy CDs anymore. But there's still music and there's still children. There's still just growth. And that's what I love about this show. Yeah, um, yeah that, that, that's really changed. Um, I was talking to a friend about uh, the Icon Prince which Prince said he's not going to release any more music ever until the music business gets get it straight about the royalties. And he was upset. And this is coming from a guy who started the Internet craze, Prince, he <laughs> sold his stuff on the Internet. But he was upset because iTunes and all the other record companies, they, uh, they're taking all the music and making all the money, and they're not giving the artist enough. So he said he will never... He will never release another CD ever again until they fix that problem, and he's just going to tour. But you know what? That's good because, you know, most artists now can make money touring. They probably don't have to release any more records because they can tour and they charge a lot for the concerts. And so, you know, like you can see Huey Lewis in the news, and um, a lot of these groups that tour are out here making a lot of money, some of the groups that you might have uh, forgotten about, and uh, they don't have to actually recording where all this stuff is downloadable. The red companies is making a lot of money rehashing and refurbishing the same material over and over and over and um it's just amazing how music is not selling but concerts and actually seeing these people live. Like when you go see Fish, that's selling. Those tickets are right sales are selling. Yeah, but the the record the record sales are down. So like there's still different ways to make money. I mean, it's like when something becomes a commodity, like how I've been talking, I've been raving about Spotify for the last month because it essentially removes the price point from listening to music, where it's like if I want access to a song, 
I can go on this website and this application and listen to it off the Internet for free. And free is a good price, isn't it? Yeah, you know, you can, uh, you can do that also on Rhapsody. You can listen to anything you want. Yeah. You just, you want to, if you want to download it, you got to pay. Yes, I think a lot of it also has to do with just, and obviously it's just different economical models. I mean, there are, I mean, by when you're listening for free, even if it's supported by ads, it doesn't necessarily mean the artist is going to make as much money as if it someone bought an album at a record store or even on iTunes. So just like everything else, the only thing that is consistent is change. And the next generation of children are going to have different things. I mean, one thing I just want to bring up that Jason brought up is, what is going to be that bad, that artist, that, that the kids of today are going to remember as adults? And the question is, does that even exist anymore? Like, in the 1990s, you had the so-called Seattle grunge scene, where you had bands like Pearl Jam and Nirvana and Soundgarden. Obviously, Nirvana ended very quickly since Kurt Cobain died in the 90s at the age of 27 in the peak of his career. But then you've got, a, but you've got Pearl Jam, who still is in existence, who still is selling out arenas all over the world. It's like, who is that? Or I can't even tell you, like, who is, like, that artist who came to age in the 2000s that's going to be around forever? That, like, well, I yeah. don't know. Like, I mean, as a musician. Actually, Pearl Jam... They have another album getting ready to come out. The CD is coming out. And what's good about that is they are consistent. And that is the key. Ian, what you just said, being consistent. These days, you will have, like let's say Justin Bieber, he would have to be in the music industry for at least 10 more years to become an icon like uh, that of a Frank Sinatra or Elvis Presley or Michael Jackson. Um, And those, whoever stands the test of time, even the new bands that come out, I think they have to work a little harder now. I mean, the, the one-hit wonder thing is, isn't cool anymore. So because everybody now right. can have a re- recording studio in their own house and put their own MP3 out and blah, blah, blah. So, what happens is it's the, it's the test of time. Whoever stands the test of time, those, that person or that group will become the icon group like the Beatles or like the Rolling Stones or like uh, Fish. You know, or like right. you know, and that's what it is now. You have to you have to or, keep coming with it. Or the question is, sometimes it's not even so much about sustainability as a musician, or just even just like sustainability as a celebrity. Like I think, like one great example is Justin Timberlake. Justin Timberlake is famous. He started out as a singer. I'm sure that he still does perform and record albums, but these days he's known as an actor. I mean, it's like he's been in a few movies this summer. He's like always, it's always a big deal when he's on Saturday Night Live, but it's like, but it's like weird where it's like you think of him and he's, you don't think of him as this timeless artist. You think of him as this timeless celebrity. Even some like Snoop Dogg who, who did have, did have at least one big hit in the last decade but the truth is, it's like Snoop Dogg, Snoop Dogg, I mean, who obviously came, like, was huge when he came out in the early 90s. These days, it's not so much about his music as much as it's he's this celebrity and he has this image. And 
not so much about the music and his songs. Right. Image is everything. Right. Yes, that's what Audrey Agassiz said. That's the byproduct of MTV and the Internet. What people want to see, they want to see something. They don't want to just hear. They want they want the full 4D feeling of actually being part of what's going on. You know, they want to feel like they know Snoop Dogg. I want I'm, I'm, I can email him. I can see him on Facebook. I can talk to him. He responds. This is a real image, and that's where basically what it is. The image is like you said. You got to have that image to where people can relate and feel so at home like, and feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. Or, or it's like one one of my projections from the last decade really fell through as I mean, one of the most successful artists of all time who's still alive today is Madonna. And she's someone who she could go years without recording an album, yet it will sell and she will sell out arenas. I mean, she's in her 50s now and she and she's still, and it's like that image she had back when, back in the 1980s. Like, it's, and even though she's older now and she has kids and she's it's still a big deal. Like my prediction was like about ten years ago I thought who was the closest to Madonna in terms of a marketing edge, not in terms of the actual musical style. And I thought at the time it was Fred Durst from Limp Biscuit. As there was that time where they finally had their hit some hit songs and he was producing albums for all these different people. But he disappeared. I mean, here in 2011, we are not talking about Fred Durst, but we're still talking about Madonna. Wow. Right. Well, like sometimes a, like you, just, you, you just don't know what, what is going to be that key. Right. But, you know, that, that shows that, you know, the staying power and how they build Madonna's image is um, basically she's been... She's like the the girl, Elvis Presley, Michael Jackson, Tupac, or whatever. You know, she's the female image, and the name Madonna. It's just she picked the right name, and um, yeah. like her name is not Susan. You know, <laughs> but anyway, right. her, her name is Madonna, and also she's still alive compared to all those other people. Like, for example, it's like I always one of the questions I always say about a lot of these artists who die young is. If they were still alive today, would they be the icon that they are now or not? Like, would Tupac be this, still be, like, this huge, huge, like, star, whether it's in music or movies? Would he be selling out Madison Square Garden the second tickets go on sale? Or would he be on one of these celebrity reality shows just trying to hold on to his fame? Hmm. Well... Yeah, we we'll never know, but I would tend to say too, on Tupac, I think he would be like Snoop Dogg. You know, he'd probably be pretty. Ah, you know, he was so political. I don't know. He might have been. He might have not. He might not have been because you know he had a lot of stuff to say that didn't go along with a lot of the music uh, industry. Yeah. So he could have be, been detrimental to his uh, his fame. You know, right. but I know like, talent wise, like, he would. Mm-hmm. I mean, talent-wise, he would have definitely yeah. sold out concerts. Yeah. He would have sold out yeah, concerts. Yeah, but, but it's, it's just like the body of work, just at such like at such a limited amount of time that would he still be a big deal today? Or it's like, or it's like you had 
the notorious B.I.G. And I know that he had his friendship with with Sean Combs, and I'm sure that it would. I'm sure he would have continued to produce his albums. But it's like they're. It's like in some ways, it's like they're icons because they're not here anymore. But like it's a weird thing. Like there are there are people that are out there today that I think would have been would would actually be bigger stars if they died ten years ago compared to being alive today. As strange as it sounds. That's true. Um, something about people wanting to own a part of you after you're gone is extraordinary. You're worth more dead than alive, and it's sad, but... Like, it's very sad. I mean, the estate of Amy Winehouse is going to be very rich. Right. And actually, she has a CD, uh, some music coming out also at the end of the year. So... Wow. That's going to be... It's going to be Christmas. I mean, I'm wondering, are the record companies taking advantage of these artists, or is this really cool? I mean, it's kind of... Uh, you know, in some ways, I mean, it's just like any other, like, business, especially entertainment, it's about maximizing their profits. And, I mean, it was like, I mean, remember when Michael Jackson died, like, how, just how, just like, all this Michael Jackson stuff exploded, memorabilia, and just the music just returned to the airwaves in a way it hadn't had it in years. Like, I always said, like, over the last Really, over the last 15 years, I always felt the way Michael Jackson would have been able to redeem himself while he was still here was by having a hit album. He never did. I mean, Michael Jackson did not have a successful album, truthfully, since Dangerous in the early 90s. Right, right, right. right, right. And, uh, and then the, the decline of the music business didn't help him either. So, right. I mean, it, I mean, for a lot of people. I mean, it also, right. it's like the idea that really, like, you see a lot of musicians end up becoming actors and becoming, like, and really, in some ways, completely transitioning. I mean, it's like how how Jason was talking about Will Smith uh, or The Fresh Prince. I mean, I I remember being 10 years old and just hearing hearing parents just don't understand for the first time and thinking, wow, this is fun, this is funny. I mean, being a 10-year-old kid, not knowing anything, but Seeing how nowadays Will Smith is an actor. He's not a rapper. He's not a musician. Yes, he. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, he hasn't. Like, he only had really one so hit as a solo artist, being words like that. That album in 1997 was getting jiggy with it and Miami and that album Big Willie style. But like, Will today. Even though he started out in music, Will Smith is an actor. He's not a musician, or at least professionally. Right. He's—I mean, it's like he will not be remembered. Like one day, like when he's gone, he won't be remembered as this big rap star. He'll be remembered. No. He'll be remembered for the hit single. He'll remember that breakthrough hit single. But but the movie Independence Day was a lot more successful than the song Parents Just Don't Understand. And that's strange because he was the only rap rap artist that he was the first rap artist to win a Grammy. Wow! <laughs> so to not to be remembered and be remembered as an actor now, it's like, yeah. Wow. I, 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 I don't. Wait, has he won an Oscar? I know he was nominated. 
for Ali, but did he win? Mm, I don't know, but I know Will Smith, they were the first rep um, to win. They were, they were the first rep. Yeah, for the French Prince. Mm-hmm. And, and it's one of those things where it's like you always have, like, sometimes you have the success of one member of the group has helped the other members of the group, even though they're not as famous. Like, I mean, DJ Jazzy Jeff or Jeffrey Towns is clearly not as famous as Will Smith. But he's still around and he's still producing albums. I mean, he's the, I mean, he discovered Jill Scott. Right. But it's just, just bring it up, or it's like you can go like with like the whole like Happy Madison crew. Like Adam Sandler is clear, clearly has had, a, had is the biggest star from Saturday Night Live in the '90s, and as a result, he keeps all of his fellow castmates in business by producing their movies. Exactly. Like all, <laughs> like all, all basically. Uh, almost all of Rob Schneider's movies in his entire career, whether it was a starring role or even a supporting role, were produced by Adam Sandler. Okay. So it's just so about. Have, so I guess it's, I guess it's about starting out small as a team, where it's like look at like the TV show Entourage, even though it's fictional, where one of them hit it big, which means they all hit it big. Right. That's usually the case. Um, yeah. People uh, need to, you know, they need to support each other, and you need that supporting cast, you know. And um, <clears throat> no, don't forget where you came from. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. For me, it's not Queens; it's the suburbs. Even though my dad's from the Bronx. So Jay, we're running out of time. So um, do you have any final thoughts before we go until another day? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave with Jason's thoughts, where he was wondering. Um, what will his kids What will your kids be listening to In the years to come In the year 2015 um, who, who will be the, the new Beatles And will you stand in the way Of your kids Musical health Or would you let them enjoy Their era So ask yourself that question How would you be When you were young Your parents might have blocked you From listening to certain music Well is that a good thing or is that a bad thing I'm going to leave that with our audience. That's the question. What would you do when you have your kids, if you don't have them already, would you support their musical interests or would you just block them and make them listen to what you grew up on? That's my thoughts of the day. Thanks, Jason, because Jason brought that to the table. Thank you, everyone, very much. Those are some great questions. We're looking forward to Hearing from you and getting our results, next week on Parents Kids Music, we'll announce the time and the day and the time shortly. As some end credits, this is a new fun feature of the show. Parents Kids Music is brought to you by the Goldwaters Group, Ian Eisenberg, that's me, Jay Logan, that's you, Play for Life, Lounge Down Records, and Play for Not Life Nonprofit Organization. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, Jason Pfeiffer, and we'll catch you next time here on Terrence Kids Music.